Welcome back to another episode of Sangat Talks, where we try to understand the value of Sikhi, remove misconceptions from Sikhi, and try to become a better Sikh. Now, today I'm joined by Navpreet Singh. So thank you very much, Navpreet Singh, for coming on to the podcast. And if you'd like to just give a quick introduction about yourself, that'd be great. Sure. So my name is Navpreet Singh. I'm also known as Nav the Poet. I'm a spoken word artist, uh, a content creator, and I talk a lot about Sikhi and educate people about the Sikh faith and practices on TikTok, Instagram, and other platforms. Um, and I'm really excited to chat with you today, man. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm really excited, too. We spoke a little bit the other day, and it was really interesting just to, you know, it was nice to have another conversation about Sikhi. I feel like it's something that we're missing out a lot. But tell me a little bit more about your background. So where did the journey of Sikhi actually start with you? Right. So, I mean, I was born into a Sikh family. I was raised, you know, going to Gurdwara every week. I was taught the principles and shared, you know, my family and community shared Sakhis and all the information not all, but a lot of information, you know, the basic ideals about the faith. But it wasn't until I was in college where I really started practicing the faith myself, I say. Um, I started writing poetry in college after um, I was dealing with a lot of emotional and internal turmoil and struggles. And um, one day I just started writing poetry in class. I was terribly bored in a chemistry class or something. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it was such a relief. And uh, I think I even told you this when we were talking last time. Uh, I write very quickly, like poems will be done in five to 10 minutes. And I don't know why I don't have a technique or something that, you know, makes me a better writer than someone. It's just, it flows out of me. And the way I view it is that it's not really me speaking. It's something speaking through me, some energy, some force. And after I started performing a little later that year um, in 2011, uh, I really felt this passion and this love for, for poetry and my voice and everything like that. And that is what really led me to start looking into Sikhi again on my own because I felt I was still missing something. Um, and I wanted to understand you know, what that was or what it might be. and. Uh, just having that education from a youth of Sikhi and everything, I gravitated towards it naturally. And um, having experienced all I have being a Sikh in the US, um, I ended up writing a lot about that. So I wrote about the discrimination I faced, the strength of our Shaheeds and, and uh, the beauty of our faith and of our culture. And I think all of that together really um, drew me back into Sikhi. Um, and I started really understanding that for me, Sikhi is about a relationship with me and, and, and Maharaj and just that one-to-one -one relationship and not so much what everyone else is doing and telling me, you know, I need to do to be a good Sikh. And uh, that was the beginning. And I've just continued to pursue that journey to today. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's very nice as well to see. I mean... <clears throat> I think I've had a quite a similar background to you, grow up in a Sikh family, understood like the basics and the values and principles from a very young age, but kind of drifted away from it as you get to the kind of, you know, your teenage years, you're like, oh, you know, we want to explore different things. But then me too, I very much felt like, you know what it is, something's just missing, something doesn't feel right. And 
I was watching everyone else deal with how they thought, all right, you know what, something's missing in my life. People feel it with like lots of other things, like drugs, alcohol, all that kind of stuff. But I was like, you know what it is? I know that that's not the answer. Like I've seen people go to that and it's definitely not the path I want to go down. So yeah, I also came back to Sikki and really that's when I started to appreciate the value that Sikki holds. So it's nice. And the last thing that you mentioned about how it's, it really is a one-to-one connection with you and Vaigiru. And it, even if you just relate it back to that ik, like ik go and like there, if there is only Vaigiru, there, no one else really ever gets involved in that sense. Like it is just you. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting to see. Um, one thing that I wanted to touch on as well is obviously you're a content creator, you're on TikTok. Yes. How did you get onto TikTok? <laughs> So it's all started with my poetry. So not only do I just write and perform for fun, I'm pursuing it as a career and I've been booked for gigs and I've traveled across the United States performing. I've been to Texas, Louisiana, Tennessee. I've been to a bunch of places across the country and I've gotten paid to perform. So this is a career I'm pursuing. It's not simply a hobby or just this art I'm doing on the side. And so I thought TikTok, In 2019, I heard about TikTok and uh, thought it might be, after a lot of resistance, actually, a couple of months (laughs) around, like, this sounds so pointless, whatever, another (laughs) social media. I don't really like social media, Um, but uh, I kept hearing about it, and I thought, okay, you know what, I'll just film myself performing, I'll post it, I won't even think about it much. Um, And so I started doing that for a couple of months, and I garnered a small following, a couple thousand followers. Uh, and then I start to understand how the For You page works. And for anybody that doesn't, the For You page on TikTok is like a discover or an explore page, but it can give you content from any creator um, because it attempts to, the algorithm attempts to find out what you like. So it serves you all different types of content. So I started to realize some of my videos would get, you know, maybe 10,000 views or something rarely, but it was a couple here or there. And so I was like, that's a lot of people seeing my content. And that's a lot of people that are seeing this, this image, this face and this, you know, the, the star, the, the beard and everything. And I started to realize that those people might have questions about what all of this means, what the faith is about and everything, because Sikhi is so misunderstood specifically in the West. And, uh, So I decided to start making some videos and I really thought I'd just make a couple of videos, talk about the basics, what our principles are, what, you know, the articles of faith mean, and that'd be good. We're all good to go, you know? (laughs) Um, But no, my, my first video, I talked about, you know, how it started, you know, and then the second video, I talked about the meaning and significance of case and the thought. And that video within two days, I think it was hit 60K views. And at the end of every video, I would say, hey, if you have any questions, feel free to ask them. And so I opened up this dialogue for people to learn about the faith and not be uncomfortable asking questions, because that's usually the hurdle you, um, at least the one that I encounter is people are saying, yeah, I want to know more, but I, I don't know what's appropriate to ask or if you're comfortable talking about it. So by letting people know that I'm willing to answer questions, it really opened up the ability to have conversations about the faith and let people really be comfortable approaching me and speaking about you know or taking interest in learning about the faith so that and then it just it took off honestly oh uh, yeah it's, it's crazy because like i think that's a barrier that a lot of people from it, I, I don't know if it stems from our culture or if it stems from lack of leadership 
or what is the, the actual root of the problem, but a lot of people really struggle to answer, ask questions to each other. And that's what I found as well with um, TikTok. People like asking like some of the most like simple questions I thought, you know, everyone knows this stuff. But unfortunately, people, I didn't realize how blessed I was to have the education that I do. Like then people would ask questions. And it was nice to see that finally people are actually discussing these things. People are interested in learning about these things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's crazy how, how many people have questions, but how many people keep it to themselves? They're like, I'm not going to ask it. It might seem stupid. I, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want this person to think I'm dumb or whatever. And because of that, there's so many unanswered questions. And that's why I think there's such a big demand for videos like the ones that you make because everyone's asking internally, but then when they see someone addressing it, like even you mentioned in um, America, that there's a lot, just in Western countries in general, there's a lot of um, prejudice or misunderstanding when it comes to Sikhi, what it is, the values and things like that. So people who may be not even interested will then just like pick, see your content and be like, oh, wow, I'm learning about this guy. I'm learning about what he does and stuff like that. And I think the fact that you do poetry as well, is a, it's a really nice thing for people to see. It's a really good representation because poetry is, is very much seen as this kind of emotional, like meaningful, deep, peaceful kind of thing that people do. And for a Sikh to be represented that, it already just starts to show the values that Sikh people have. Like our gurus were poets and now it's like we've got, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. And it's funny because on a side note like I get people from the community because of a culture that is you know focused so much on success financial success when I tell people I'm a poet older generations they like question it and I'm like you're the same person who practices Sikhi right like <laughs> how could you hate on me for poetry with like our good with the people you literally look up to and our words you are reciting are poetry it's a weird thing, just a total side note. But yeah, I mean, it's why I connected with poetry too and like why it's so you know easy for me to connect with Bonnie as well because it's the same thing. Like I'm just like, yeah, it's just, I mean, I think their poetry is better than mine, but like it's, a, you know, it's the same concept. And I, I love that I come, we come from a lineage of poets. Like I get to say that. And I think that's just amazing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not something that I thought about too much until like I actually started realizing, oh yeah, poetry. Like it's so it's so big in Barney. Like it is literally how all of Barney is written. So no, it is something that I think you're probably the only sick poet that I know. So I cross up a lot of people's first. It's really funny. <laughs> I'm like the first sick or only sick people know. Same with poet. Like I've met people, other not even six, but just South Asians. And when I tell them I'm a poet and they're like our age, they are so like, they're amazed and so um, proud in a way because they know they've gone through a similar struggle of being told you have to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer or whatever. And they're just like, it's amazing that they say to me, it's amazing that you are doing this and doing something different than what's expected of you. And I mean, it's not something I intended to be but it's cool to kind of be somewhat of a you know I don't like to use this word for myself but like inspiration I guess or just at least you know give people a sense of feeling that they don't have to relegate themselves to a career they don't want to do yeah yeah like you in a big sense you are breaking a lot of cultural norms like become a doctor dentist or the engineer or whatever it is uh, no it is good it is good I think 
there's a lot of topics that we've already covered and I'm thinking which one do I want to go into further um but cultural norms is is definitely a big one that we can discuss dude Um, I was (laughs) I was a mechanical engineering major before I switched to film and television so really yeah (laughs) yeah so imagine my my community's shock and dismay (laughs) wow okay <laughs> like yeah i'm gonna be an engineer then a couple months later i'm actually going into film and so, television <laughs> wow okay okay and poetry and that's a big poetry. jump like, it's a big jump it's a big change of mentality but i mean again it's not something i intended to do for the sake of breaking barriers or cultural norms but now that i've done it i'm like i'm happy to say that i am making those those strides and opening doors for other people to at least consider different avenues and different you know paths in life mm. no it's good i mean i'm an engineer as well i literally study mechanical engineering so now <laughs> i know at least if i want to change i can be like yeah but look in the feet <laughs> <laughs> no but it's, it's really good to see it's really good to see and in terms of cultural norms one of my biggest like uh, I could say pet peeves or whatever, but like one of the things that frustrate me the most is when culture interferes with Sikhi. So it's very difficult, but culture and Sikhi are two very, very different things. And unfortunately, because a lot of people see them as overlapping, people who don't have much knowledge on Sikhi tend to put culture into their Sikhi. Mm-hmm. What experiences have you had with culture, like maybe Indian culture or just like the way that people like culture, like even in the West, like being in, the, um, being in America, how has culture impacted the way that you perceive Sikhi? Or the way that I've perceived it? Yeah, you personally. Oh, interesting. I thought you were going to ask how people have imposed it on me. That's a totally different question. Okay, that, that's my next question. I'll oh, wait. Okay. <laughs> um, it's definitely made me, uh, it's honestly strengthened my Sikhi though, because, you know, so when I was growing up, the reason I distanced myself from Sikhi was because of judgment I faced from my own community, right? Because I think I told you the story as well. I would be, maybe I didn't, I told a lot of people, but like, I'd be doing seva in Langar, right? I'm like giving out dal and everything. And someone would literally, like an uncle would come up to me like, it's so great that you do seva, but like, you should really wear the star because I was wearing a patka. And I'm like, Uncle G, like, I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm in the middle of Seva. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? Second of all, like, why is that? I know it's important. Obviously, like, I wear the thought. I understand the significance. But how is that more important to you than the actions? If I'm doing Seva with the love that Guruji has told us to do Seva with, if I'm helping others, why? Why is that the part you're harping on right now, right? And so it was just a lot of those little, like, nitpicks that people would put on you and these judgments of, because I didn't do Sikhi at their speed, right? Because that's what it is. It's not like I didn't plan to wear the thought. It's just, I wasn't comfortable wearing it yet. And, but it, was, it wasn't in line with their speed, their way and everything. And I just, I didn't like it. And I was like, if this is what Sikhi is, why would I want to be a part of this community? And then through my journey, I realized like, that's not what Sikhi is, right? That's just people and people taking Sikhi and applying it however they choose. But Sikhi is so full of love and no judgment. And it's the exact opposite of the things I experienced. And so it 
it definitely played a role in first me misunderstanding it, but then actually getting a better understanding and saying like, oh, that person isn't, you know, living or embodying sick principles or the teachings of our guru. They, they, you know, so that's not what I'm, I should be worrying about, right? Because just because someone does something wrong doesn't mean the principles have now changed, right? The principles have been there and stayed the same since our guru set them. So why am I, why am I applying someone else's actions on the words of my guru is how I started to look at it, right? right. And that was the important part in my journey that I really had to come to terms with and understand before I could really embody and try to practice Sikhi. Yeah, definitely. So with that, like, I'm sure from both of our point of view, Sikhi is genuinely perfect in terms of the way that the Guru set it out, what they told us to do and how they want us to live our lives. Those things are perfect. That's why so many people follow Sikhi. Whereas people's misinterpretation of Sikhi, people's cultural takes on Sikhi and the way that people react to certain things in Sikhi are not perfect. And those are what drive us away from it a lot of the time. So it is, it's very, it's very difficult to separate the two, especially if you don't know your history, if you haven't been educated. Like a lot of people, I mean, you talked about this before in the last call that we had, that especially if you have immigrant parents, a lot of the time they're very busy. They've got a lot of things to do and, and they don't necessarily teach you in depth the way that you would like them to because they just don't have time. And it's not like a bad thing or they have bad intentions or whatever, but like they're trying to literally make a living. They're trying to like help you to like create a future and all these kind of things. So it's completely understandable from their point of view, but the result of that does also say that, all right, now we're having a lot of kids that are uneducated in Sikhi and they see six, they see culture, they mix the two together. And it's a very bad mix because they don't align. They don't work together. So people think that Sikhi, you know, Sikhi doesn't work. People look at it and they think, these six, these aren't the kind of people that I want to be like. But that's because of the cultural aspects, like the judgment that you mentioned. It's the culture of it. Mm -hmm. Now, my other question was going to be, how has, how do you think culture has impacted other people within Sikhi? So, yeah, I, I... So, I mean, I just think that, you know, it, it goes back to this. The, one of the biggest things I, I feel is, is as much as, um, as beautiful as it is that, like, India and South Asia is a very communal-based um, society, because that means you always have people around to support you, that also, in my view, leads to people being nosy and wanting to, you know, you know, put their voice on everything about your life, right? And it's like, oh, you don't dress the right way, you don't talk the right way, you don't have the right career, the right partner, whatever it is, like, there's always commentary on your life, um, mm. because we're always so involved with each other. And I think that's one of the, you know, downsides of that heavy community-based society is just that people are always in each other's business. <laughs> and it's like, I, like, even once I started wearing a dastar, people would tell me I wasn't wearing the right type of dastar. And I'm like, bro, I don't, what, what, that, that made me realize like, okay, what people say, especially about like my look, some people like, you should really tie up your body or like, you should use gel and stuff. I was like, why? 
it's not your daughter. Why do you care <laughs> so much, bro? Like, yeah. And there was no reason. There was no like, oh, it makes you, it makes us look bad, even though that's not a good reason. But like, it was just what they think, and that's fine. But imposing that idea on me, like, it wasn't like a, hey, have you ever thought about this? It was just like, you should really do this. I was like, why would I really do that? I have no desire to. And it's so strange. And it's just this idea of everybody thinks they know what's best for you. And maybe it even comes from good intentions. But at the end of the day, like I have to live my life. You're not existing in this body. So your view on me is limited. Like it, it I will give it some consideration depending on what I think about it, but it there's a limit to how much of it I care about. Yeah. No completely the same like the thing is even when i was younger people would say like have you still gone with yet i'm like no They're like well why not and like it's not like they're curious to know why they genuinely couldn't care less of the reason yes. all they want to do is make me feel bad for not like being blessed with them and like it's such a bad part of the community nobody wants that feeling and just to have that pressure on you like you go to the good and people are going to say this or do that or like look like that and like i mean as guys, I'm going to be honest, I think we've got it easy compared to how a lot of the women have got it. For sure. Like, uh, like it, both of it, both of them are bad. Both of yeah. like, it's not good for anyone. Right. But I mean, it, it's a very judgmental community, but I really want people to understand that that is cultural practices. Nowhere in Sikhi does it say that people should be doing that. Nowhere in Sikhi does it say that you should go out and like treat people like this tiki's there's so much focus on humility and understanding your own wrongdoings and understand how you can improve and it's not saying go out and like never in tiki does it say go out and like convert these people or make them do this like like if it did then fair enough i'd understand why people saying oh you need to take on that you need to start wearing this kind of bag you need to do this with your case like then it would be like okay well i see there's that like pressure no one's telling you to do that Everything yeah. within Sikhi, like the first five things that they ever were, those five things were asked and they volunteered. So if you're gonna, not volunteering, like... <laughs> I, was just, I was waiting for you to finish so I could bring that up. That's what I was going to say. I was like, Robertson, gave everyone a choice. He didn't say, hey, everyone come take, you know, come be blessed with Amrit. And he didn't tell anybody. He didn't point to someone and say, you, come give your head. He said, who will be willing to do it? because everybody has their own journey, their own path, their own, you know, it has to come from inside that desire. That's all, he only would wanted people who had the desire to give their head, not someone who was forced, right? So I'm so glad you brought that up because that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> I let you on the same wavelength. But yeah, it's crazy. It's not, it's not good. It's not good for Saki. It's not good for like, or even our mental health when it yeah. comes to that point. Like it's very, very negative, toxic environment to be in. But I mean, I guess it is quite difficult to even just like step out of that yeah. one had, sorry go on i was saying i've had friends who've cut their hair and then they decide to stop going to gurdwara because they know they're going to be criticized and judged right you know like again i understand the significance of case but if someone decides to take that action your your move should be to encourage them to maybe explore it more not to push like judge them and make you know belittle them for that action because they still have a they still could find their way back it's not like you can't continue growing your hair again but some of my friends are just like i'm not going because i know 
I'm gonna have to hear from people. They're gonna ask me questions and judge me and look at me differently. And I understand that because I've seen it, like I've witnessed it happen. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, okay, it's not right or whatever you wanna call it. I don't wanna even say it's not right, but like, yes, it's not what we're supposed to do, but that doesn't mean it's a fin definitive decision. Like he, they can always choose to, you know, grow their case again, you know? So why, like, there's sakis where like, you know, like Guruji would talk with like people who were very, you know, greedy or selfish or whatever. And then after hearing from the guru, they change their ways. Like those sakis are there for people to learn that it's one, never too late. You can always change your path. And two, that he did it out of like love and out of, you know, compassion. Yeah, literally, ne never too old is a huge one. Like, if you start pushing people away, they'll never come back. They'll never come back. If someone does something bad and you still encourage them, you know, like, it, it's not obviously what you might have wanted for them. And it might, see, this is the thing as well. A lot of people, like, if a family member cuts their hair or does something or starts drinking, then they all push them away because they're like, it makes us look bad. Yeah. And they're so concerned with their own image that they're ready to push that person away and be like, oh, no, no, I love Saki. I would never associate myself with that person. Mm -hmm. Terrible mindset. It's a terrible mindset. Guru Nanak Dev Ji didn't travel all over the world just to be like, oh, I don't associate with that person. Oh, I don't want that person here. Everyone sits on the same level. Everyone has longer together. Like, you've got to understand that even if you are the greatest Sikh that there's ever been, which are the gurus, right? right. They sat with everyone else. They treat everyone else with love. Like, they were forgiven to everyone else. That's the, that's the mindset that we need to think about things as well. We can't just look at other people and be like, they cut their hair, they do this, they do that. They're not a good sick. Like, you don't know that one experiences, like you said. So it, it's, go for it, go for it. I was going to say, if we went by that logic of some, of, if you cut your hair, if you drink, if you do literally anything against the keaton, I doubt there's like even 1% of people that would be, could be called sick, right? Yeah. We all do stuff that we're not supposed to that isn't in line or accordance with Sikh principles with our Guru's teachings. So like if we just struck everyone out that did even one of those things wrong. The Gudvadas would be empty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like instead of pushing people away, you should welcome them back in to try to help them understand, right? And at the end of the day, if they choose not to, if that's their, that's their path, right? You can't force anybody, right? At the end of the day, Guruji... Guru Gobind Singh Ji wasn't going to pull anybody on stage on his own. You know, he wasn't going to make anybody come up and, you know, give their head. So why should we force anybody to, to volunteer if, they, if, that's not, if that's not the life they want to choose? That's, why the life they, that's not the life they choose, right? You mm. know, whether we like it or not. No, completely, completely. But yeah, I mean, this conversation could go on for a long time, but there is definitely other topics I want to talk about. For sure. One of the things is media. So this also, I guess, plays a, a big part in terms of culture. But you're, you're a film and media student, you said, yeah? Mm -hmm. So you know your way around the movie and how it plays itself out. Yeah. Now, sick representation in media is a huge thing for me. And it makes me sad a lot of the time. And it's one of the big reasons why... A lot of the time, I'll just refuse to watch Indian films. I don't watch any Bollywood films. I'm like, mate, yeah. Om Shanti Om, like three idiots. I've seen none of it, all right? Like, I literally, I just don't even bother because I know, yeah. like, a lot of the time, it's just so infected with, with culture that it's painful. As, as someone who loves Sikhi, 
it's painful for me to see someone else's bad portrayal of Sikhi. So what's your experience with being, what's your experience being with watching people, six in media? It is really similar. I don't watch Bollywood for the same reason. I mean, I've seen a few films and there's some that I love, but they don't usually have six in them. So I have less to say about those films specifically, but yeah, I've made videos talking about how six in Bollywood, it's really interesting to see the difference of portrayal in Hollywood versus Bollywood, right? Because at least in India, people know who six are, right? But they still have perceptions about them, like where are they like the goofy, you know, just like side character who's often a drunk, which is of the highest problem to me. Like, I just can't stand it when the character is a drunk. It's so irritating. Or on the other side, we're this like pure Indian patriot. And I'm like, who are you talking about? Like, why do you have six of these, like, just, like, to die for India patriots? It's wild. <laughs> and it's just, like, you totally yeah. remember so much history with that. And then on in Hollywood, we're just barely there. We're more often than not, like, 99% of depictions of six are, one, not played by actual sick actors, and two, we're just background characters with one line maybe like i did a video because someone asked about sick representation in hollywood i was like oh i can reenact pretty much every instance of you know um six in uh hollywood and so it was like me pretending to be a cab driver me pretending to be a, a <laughs> t-mart owner it's just like that's the one that's the one it's just quickie mart owner cab driver or then there's this one shot i just walk because they're just background characters and it's just like <laughs> Oh, man, it's true. It's actually so true. It's so wild. And like, yes, as someone who studied media, so there's actually this uh, this idea in, in uh, media studies called cultivation theory. And it's the fact that media influences people's perception of the world. And the higher the consumption by a viewer, the more their perception of the world is dependent or dictated by media, right? And I've literally come across people who have said to me, this one guy stitched one of my videos and he said, my only experience of people with turbans was Indiana Jones. <laughs> and like, it's different in the UK because at least like there are a lot more South Asians around, but like in the US, first of all, the US is huge, right? And a lot of the, the middle of the country, like the Midwestern states and just like, there's not much diversity. So like they don't even have exposure to six or South Asians even in like their daily life. So all their knowledge is media and usually the news. And in a post 9-11 world, this image on the news was that of terrorists. It was associated with bin Laden, with terrorists. And so that's what six get you know, connected to in a lot of media and just like in people's minds. Um, and you know, with, with such a tragedy like 9-11 where media coverage was constant for months, right? Like that's all was shown. And then every year there's a constant media coverage like and this theory, cultivation theory, it says like, it doesn't matter whether it's news or fictional, like it, that is irrelevant. It's just about how much someone consumes the, the media. So it's interesting that like, you could make a movie about, you know, people in turbans, which plenty do like post 9-11, all the villains in like war movies are like these, these movies were like Arabs and they had, you know, turbans and beards speaking in, you know, Arabic and like, but no one differentiates, it's just, people yeah. in turbans with beards and brown skin and so it definitely has painted a really negative picture of this image 
it's really sad to see as well because like i mean even in america there was that shooting in a gudwara yeah. and that it just it's i mean it was wrong on so many levels but i mean i, I don't know the i don't know the details that well i mean do you would you be able to speak on it a little bit if you if you're more aware of what happened yeah yeah it was uh, august 5th 2012 in oak creek wisconsin oak creek gurdwara um and yeah this um person who uh, had ties to like white supremacist groups um he came in and started shooting up the gurdwara um they we don't have any full motive because he was killed on scene um but knowing that he's a white supremacist you know or connected tied to them chances are it was you know very racially religiously prof you know um what's the word motivated uh, motivated yeah um and he injured i think over a dozen people killed six people the seventh uh, seventh person actually died last year from wounds from injuries um so that was like eight years later eight yeah eight nine years later 2012 21 yeah so nine years later a seventh person died in march i want to say um it's and you know, what's wild is like the first police officer on scene on scene got was shot 15 times um somehow survived um, incredibly um but like these people just don't care right um they just don't but like uh, from the news i read like sangeet was hiding in like pantry closets and other things just to try to keep safe there were some who did attempt to stop him you know and those shaheeds are you know just like it also shows though like those shaheeds they took action even though they could have probably just hid and maybe survived but they you know it's their gurdwara their home the guru's ghar actually and you know it's you know it's just in it's in six to take that sort of action to try to at least stop them i mean but it's a yeah it's a really harrowing event and uh, i know people who or live near that area and like i've talked to some people who've lost people from there it's a it's a really you know tragic story one thing that actually came out of it though was that there was no tracking data on anti sick hate crimes before this incident and then some of the family members of survivors you know like took to the you know the us government and since then actually they started tracking specifically anti sick hate crimes because we were just thrown into anti-muslim hate crimes before and so now there's a specific data section for anti-sick hate crimes and anti-sick hate crimes are like the third highest in the country in the US um and it's like it, it's gone up in the last year or two as well um and so yeah a lot there's been a lot for our community in the post 911 world actually I'm sure you're familiar you know um uh the first recorded hate crime was 4 days after 911 and it was a man named Balbir Singh Sodi um and you know the the dude who did it thought he was arab muslim whatever um just saw a man in a turban outside his gas station gardening by the way that's what he was doing when he was shot and killed um and so yeah it's been a lot for our community here in the US and globally um you know there've been sick hate crime anti sick hate crimes all across the, the world um but specifically in the west i know in the uk it's happened too so yeah that that but oak creek specifically was like the first one like really you know like major i guess i don't want to belittle or minimize any other you know event or any other the loss of life but that was the first like really like reported on and people 
when you talk to people here in the U.S., at least most people have at least heard about it. They may not know like the names and everything like that, but they'll be like, mm. if I say like, oh, that you know, sick temple shooting, they'll be like, oh yeah, I've heard about that. That's usually you know, it's it's that it made that much news. I, I hate saying that, but yeah. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but it's crazy because like the the coverage as well. Like, I don't know, I don't know. To be honest, like the I feel like that's probably the first time so many people have even heard about a sick. Like, yes. like that's when the a definition for people was created yes. because six six died that that's why and it it just shouldn't be the case it shouldn't be the case at all um but why i'm happy to say is that even today in the sangha there are those six who are willing to move forward to try and sacrifice themselves to try and save other people it's the same principles that sikhi was born from so i would i would like to hopefully in the future see a lot more of that coverage as well. So be C6, be well known for that kind of stuff. In India, at least, that's what they used to be well known for. Like mm-hmm. if a if a sick got on a train, everyone on the train would feel safer. If a police officer got on the train, everyone would just feel the same way. But a sick it stood for something, it meant something. And everyone knew that. But now we're almost losing that image. And I think a lot of it is from culture, a lot of it is from what does the media portray? What is the media showing people? And we have so many good six within our singers. We have so many strong people. We have so many amazing things that have been done, but so often it just gets swept under the rug and no one pays any attention to it. And we need, I don't know if it's, we need sick media that needs to start showing this, or if we, I don't know how we go about this issue, but the media representation, it, it's, a, it's a huge issue. It's a huge issue. Vaheguru, 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 Vaheguru.